Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good Sunday to you. Rashini here along with Dr. David Hilden. And we hope you made it, meaning we hope you set your clocks ahead Saturday so you're with us for the entire hour. It is our open line show today on Healthy Matters. So anything goes. But I will say that's usually the case with Dr. Hilden. Call us, 651-989-9226. Wouldn't you say, Doc? I think so, Rashini. Good morning. You sound awake. I don't know about me, but uh, but you, you you sound awake. You know, uh, <laughs> guzzling water in the morning is a good thing just to get sort of the voice box going. So that's what I was doing. I've got my hot tea here also. So just a couple little tricks uh, for the I voice like, box. I like that trick. That's a good tip. I guess my scalding hot coffee isn't going to be guzzleable here, but I do have a little <laughs> right. of that. You know, I did a little looking into why we even do daylight savings. I even put it on my health my my healthy matter blog about a couple of years ago. That's at myhealthymatters.org. And I was just, I was trying to figure out why the heck do we do this? And, and I, cause I didn't know why, why are we doing daylight savings? And it turns out there's a, a whole bunch of reasons. None of them are crystal clear, but there was one about saving energy and it doesn't really do that. There was another one about maybe making the morning daylight better in the winter and the evening daylight better in the summer then there was something about military tactical things in World War II. And so I, I basically couldn't figure out why we do it. But I think it might be here to stay regardless of what I think. So here we are. I'm glad you've all been able to join us. I hope you got a good night's sleep, um, everyone who's listening. And Rashini's right. Anything goes on today's, uh, today's show, I will ask or I will attempt to answer anything you ask. Dr. Hilden, I also want to tell you on this whole health, daylight saving thing, so... You may have seen on Twitter people admonishing others who call it daylight savings. It's supposed to be daylight saving time. Well, today I tweeted, you know, that we were going to be on. And when I went to hashtag daylight saving time, the one that was actually trending was daylight savings time. So I think it's funny how that sort of become what a lot of people end up saying, and I would say I probably have used that too instead of daylight saving time. I think I, I think I have too. I had forgotten that little bit too. It's like you know, okay, so we're trying to save daylight as if you know, like 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 we have that ability to. We simply shift it around. Um, exactly. You know, the, the sun's going to come up when the sun's going to come up. And for those of us who are morning people, I think I, I told you this, Rashini, last you know, in our off the air as we're preparing for for the show. This is not my favorite Sunday morning of the year uh, because I'm I'm not, believe it or not, even though we do a show at 7 a.m. Central Time, I'm not a particularly great morning person. I'm an evening person. I watch 
TV or I read books and until later into the evening. So this has never been my most favorite hour of the day. Um, and, but but always when I'm up and when I get to start talking with uh, WCCO listeners for the show on Sunday morning, it always gets me going. So despite my fact that I had to drag my can out of bed this morning, I'm ready to go. Well, you got over it because we're now, what, year 13 kicked off a couple of weeks ago. So uh, you somehow got over that morning, I did. not a morning person thing. Well, it is open lines on Healthy Matters today, which means anything goes. And I promise we'll get you if you call us. We definitely will try to get to you if you text us. The number is the same, 651-989-9226. And it, texts are already coming in. We always seem to get such unique questions on these open line Sundays. Certainly we get a lot of COVID questions, Doc, but a lot of other interesting questions. Can you give us a quick COVID update? Because there have, there's have there been a lot of COVID activity, vaccine activity this past week. Indeed there has. And we're, we're sort of in this kind of weird limbo state on COVID right now. I would have to say that the overall vibe I have is that it's positive. It's optimistic. I certainly am optimistic that we're, we're so close to, um, to, to getting over the hump on this one. Um, the vaccination rate is very high. Minnesota is one of the top states in the whole country now for vaccination. We got a little teeny bit of a slow start, but that quickly changed as Minnesotans from all across the state um, rallied. And we are now one of the best states in vaccinating. We have three good vaccines. Case rates are very low. Hospitalizations are low. And so all of that is really good news. Deaths in nursing homes as have plummeted, and that is almost certainly due to the vaccine. So there's so much good news that I have. I am really optimistic that we're just weeks to a few months away from something that might at least, uh, if it's not normal, at least is uh, next to normal, as the Broadway show uh, would say. But there's a there's a downside, too. We're on our third day in a row of over 1,000 cases again. That's an uptick in cases just in the last three days. There are this, this B117 variant um, and the, B, or the B1351 variant from, that originated in the U.K. and South Africa. They're on the rise. That 117 variant is here in Minnesota and is increasing, particularly down in Carver County. And uh, there is indeed that, that uh, 1351, which came from South Africa. That is in Minnesota, and that one's even more scary. So it's a race uh, against those variants to get people vaccinated. But the, on, the, on, the, on the balance, it's a pretty, it, I'm optimistic. We are, we're getting there, Minnesota. We really are. Dr. Hilden, on that point, before we go to break, I want to ask you this. I heard Governor Walls use language like, we're so close to kicking this or, you know, something like that. Is it possible to kick it or to get over it? I mean, I, I kind of thought you have said, you've taught me that just like the, the 1918 flu, you know, took two to three years for that to kind of get out and maybe turn into more of just a traditional flu. So what's the right kind of way to look at this, even as people start getting vaccinated? Yeah, I think about that often. Like, what's it going to look like? Well, there's only we can control the virus, and that's what we're getting close to doing, controlling it. The second thing we can do is try to eliminate it from our communities so it's not here. It might be somewhere. The virus still exists, but we're, we're a long ways away from eliminating it. And then eradicating the virus, getting rid of it from the face of the earth, that has only happened one time to one virus ever. 
that being smallpox. And so polio is close to being the next one, but it's still around in the world. So I, I think we're going to control it and eliminate it from some of our communities, but it'll be under such control that it'll be a low-level bother to us uh, over the coming few years. I think we'll be hearing about coronavirus for some years to come, but I'm hopeful that it'll be way controlled, more like flu. I'm hopeful. All right. Well, I'm a person who really likes accurate terminology, so thank you for that clarification. Healthy Matters open line show today. We want to hear from you. Call us, text us, 651-989-9226. Your calls and texts when we return. Comes up with the music, Doc. We are back. We love you, man. We love you. That that song's got a little groove to it. It even had daylight saving in it. Yeah, that song, though, makes me want to go back to bed, not wake up. So we're going to work on the high-energy songs for the rest of the show. Rashini Rajkumar and Dr. David Hilden back with you on this March 14th edition of Healthy Matters. It's our open line show. Call us, text us, 651-989-9226. We have tons of texts, several calls already coming in. Let me start uh, with a couple of the texts because there were people, doctor, who texted in even before the show started. So I always like to give them love. Here's one. Is it safe for people who have had a few seizures and are on seizure meds to get the COVID shot? It is. Um, those um, seizure meds, otherwise known as anti-epileptic drugs, AEDs, are very effective at um, controlling your seizures. And if they're not controlling your seizures, you ought to have those adjusted. But there, um, you, you can still get the vaccine even if you are on seizure medications. There aren't a lot of, um, to my knowledge, there is not a tendency to um, bring on seizures with the vaccine. So I think you're good to go. I think you have a good answer for this next listener. When might COVID guidelines include hugs beyond grandkid hugs? I think we're almost there. Almost. Um, uh, what what you can do is this: if you're if you're meeting in small groups and everybody's been vaccinated, I think you could probably do that now. Um, I would uh, I would lay off of lots of group hugging and stuff uh, just in with larger groups. But we are in the next. As you get vaccinated, hugging's allowed again. That's my take on that. Although you always need to use common sense. Um, when I say that, that doesn't mean if you've been vaccinated, you go into a larger group of people and hug everyone in the room. That That's a ways off. But in small groups with other vaccinated people, you can do that now. And if you are vaccinated and you're with just one other family, you can, you can be hugging now um, using some common sense. I love this question. Is it safe for high-risk ladies, in parentheses, old, to play bridge again when fully vaccinated? Oh, I love that too, um, high-risk ladies. Uh, I think if everybody has been vaccinated, if the four of you, I think bridge has four around the table, doesn't it? I'm not a bridge player. If if there's four of you sitting around a table and you've all four been vaccinated and there aren't 40 other people all hanging around you, I think it's okay. Small groups of all vaccinated people, I think you can maybe get the bridge game going again. I won't, cur- I won't currently get into what I thought she meant by high-risk ladies. That's a, a whole other show. All right, Trisha is on the line from St. Paul. Hi, Trisha. Good morning. Can you hear Go me? Right ahead. Yeah, I was wondering, um, I had a miscarriage, and I was reading 
women who use a lot of um, fingernail polish and get their nails done, that that affects our fertility. Is there something to that? Should we not, should I not be doing my nails? Because it's, I think it's causing, I've been doing that for years. So how does that affect their fertility? Great question, um, uh, Trisha, and I don't, and it's a great question for which I don't have a great answer, and it's not because there isn't one, it's because I simply don't know the actual facts on that, but here's what I would say. First of all, I'm sorry about your miscarriage. That is, uh, I want to note that. Uh, miscarriages are exceptionally common, and um, fertility uh, problems, either troubles conceiving or troubles carrying pregnancy, are also exceptionally common. They're never your fault, um, but as for uh as for nail polish, it does have a solvent in there in them as as people know it smells you can smell the chemical um, stuff in there uh, that being said it 's a really small amount, and um, the nail polish remover and nail polish is a small amount, and so I think it is probably unlikely that in the at the amounts you 're getting on your nails that it 's causing fertility problems but i 'm just again. I want to be really clear. I'm speculating there. I'm not an expert in this. I would recommend always plenty of ventilation whenever you're around any chemical smell. And here's a really interesting thing. Um, next week, we're doing a show on toxins and poisons with an expert. I'm going to ask her that next week. So yeah, I was going to say, Tricia, please tune in because perfect question for I will ask that. Poison expert. Yeah, I love that. Okay. I will ask that next week, but I think you're, I just can't get, be more specific than that, but um, I think it's probably okay. This listener asks, please explain and discuss lumbar radiofrequency ablation for lower back pain. Yeah, what that what this does is they put a little needle, right? Um, they use the x-ray guidance, and they direct this needle towards uh, one of the nerves that leaves your spinal cord. And then once they get it right next to the nerve, they put a little electrical current in there, a radiofrequency current, which sort of ablates the nerve and causes it to quit um, um, causing all that pain. It does work for some people. Low back pain is one of the conditions for which what I would call Western medicine has relatively few good treatments. I have to be really honest there. We don't. We're really good at acute injuries, but chronic low back pain, we're not so good at. So the things we recommend, I still recommend, physical therapy, uh, being active, exercise, walking, stretching, those are the mainstay. I would suggest you do um, consider acupuncture. That's a good thing to consider if it works for some people. Topical things sometimes work. And if none of that's getting you anywhere, I think it's reasonable to try a radiofrequency ablation. But I would make sure you do it with somebody who does a lot of them, probably a board-certified anesthesiologist or other kind of neurosurgeon type of person who does a lot of them, and it can be effective in some people. Um, and then the last resort was usually surgery. So I would do this as one of the things that you do after you've tried everything else. But I think it's reasonably safe. You can call in Texas on today's Open Lens show, 651-989-9226. Rod is calling from Richfield. Good morning, Rod. Yeah, good morning. Say, I've got a question uh, about being vaccinated. You know, normally we say good morning or how are you. Today we greet people by saying, have you got your vaccination yet? Uh, I asked a couple if they got theirs yet, and they said, we're, we're, we're reluctant. We aren't sure yet. We want to get vaccinated. I'd like to know the risk of not being vaccinated. Yeah, the risk of not being vaccinated is very clear. It is you have a risk of dying. That is very clear. 
Um, coronavirus and this COVID is the third leading cause of death in our country now after cancer and heart disease. And um, literally a half a million people died that didn't have to. Um, uh, those were not deaths that were going to happen anyway. And so far, nobody has died of the vaccine. And we have tens of millions of people getting the vaccine. Nobody is dying of the vaccine. And yet a half a million in this country alone have died of the disease. And that is more than most of our wars put together. And these are, like I said, these are not deaths that would have occurred anyway. They are excess. They are above what would have died in our country anyway. So the risks of not getting the vaccine are serious illness, ongoing um, symptoms, and death. And the risk of getting the vaccine is that you're going to get a sore arm and a fever for a day or two. So the, that, that risk-benefit ratio is clear. Um, I would really encourage people to get your vaccines. All right, Dr. Hilden. Doc, uh, Pastor Jake has this for us. Hey, you two, I was able to finally do some visitations of my congregation members in nursing homes and the hospital. It feels amazing. I want to thank you, Doc, for all the amazing work you do and you, Rashini, for helping educate people. It's been frustrating to me when people say they don't want the shot due to religious reasons. Pastor Jake asks, how do I combat that dangerous thinking? Yeah, that's a good one. First of all, to all of our spiritual care people, thank you. At our hospital at Hennepin, I love and absolutely treasure the spiritual care people at our hospital and, and all across the state. Um, I would just tell people I cannot talk to speak to people's faith issues. I can't do that. I don't. Um, people have can believe what they wish, and that is um, something we all we all can respect. But I think that um, I would just tell people um, that the the science. Um, that got us to the moon and the science that um, eradicated polio or nearly eradicated polio is the same science that developed these vaccines. It is safe. It is sound. It isn't messing with your DNA. It is not messing with the nature of your body. It is simply using our very smart brains to get to uh, win a battle over a virus. All right. Thank you for sharing that. And I know it gets a little sticky when we get into religious reasons, but the really best, thing, really the best thing you can do is give us the science and, and the medical reasons. This person says, is there a way for consumers to find out the percent of staff vaccinated at health facilities like clinics, hospitals, assisted living and nursing homes? There might be, if it, for assisted living and nursing home, I would simply call the manager, whoever runs it, and see if they'll tell you. I don't think we publish that information. I know it's 75 to 85 percent at my hospital, and I would think it's probably the same most places, um, um, nearly four and five, if not more. And the people at my hospital who have not been vaccinated are all those that are working at home. Those that are working in the building, it's nearly everybody. So for other facilities, I would just call the supervisor or the manager and see if they won't tell you. All right, I've let us go over time. Let's take a quick break. More healthy matters when we All right, I've let us go over time. Let's take a quick break. More healthy matters when we return. 651-989-9226. We are back with healthy matters. Uh, open lines 651-989-9226 is the phone. That's also the text line. We've got lots of questions coming in, Dr. Hilden. Uh, let's get back to them. How soon is the first COVID shot effective? The first shot's effective within a couple of weeks of when you get it. It doesn't lead to full immunity yet, though, um, if, unless it's the Johnson & Johnson one. So two weeks after the Johnson & Johnson one, you're at about um, uh, as strong as your immune response is going to be. After the other two, it's two weeks after the second dose. 
you have some immunity after the first dose, but it's very incomplete, so I wouldn't count on it. So don't treat yourself as fully protected until two weeks after your second dose or two weeks after the only dose of the J&J. All right, I have a double shot of non-COVID questions coming at you. This person says, I was diagnosed with Lyme's disease. Please share some things about it. Yeah, Lyme disease is very common. Um, That's another one kind of like daylight savings time. It's only Lyme, no S on the end of it. It's because it's named after the town of Lyme, Connecticut, and um, where it was first found. There's two big hotspots in our country, the New England and Minnesota. Grantsburg, Wisconsin is like ground zero. It's the St. Croix River Valley is where it's very common. It's carried by the black-legged tick. It's caused by a bacteria called Borrelia burgdorferi, which I always thought was kind of fun to say. And it, it gets from the tick onto other animals like mice or things like that or deer. And it gets on your legs, it bites you, and it gives you this kind of inflammatory um, condition called Lyme disease. And it has lots of symptoms, fatigue, headache, neurologic problems. It can even cause heart problems. It's a real bummer of a deal. It's quite effectively treated by antibiotics. And so if you get a a rash on your leg particularly, and you've been out in the woods, in in, uh, anywhere in the woods in Minnesota or Wisconsin, then you you should probably be seen and they can give you an antibiotic for it. There is a condition called post-Lyme syndrome where some people have fatigue and symptoms for months or even longer afterwards. So that's something that we're learning much more about. It's a real thing. And some people have symptoms that just go on and on and on. So if you think you have it, go see your primary doctor and they can help you out. Because if it goes untreated, how bad could it get? Yeah, Lyme disease um, is very treatable by antibiotics. But if you don't get antibiotics and you don't, it just goes untreated at all, you can have symptoms that go on for a great long time and you can have neurologic problems, nerve problems that are persistent. So it's very important to treat Lyme disease. There is, a, there is not a need to take antibiotics forever, but there is a need to take them to get it treated if you have it. All right. And now this question, what's the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's? How quickly does Alzheimer's progress from early to mid-stage? Alzheimer's is the most common type of dementia, so they're one and the same. Um, all Alzheimer disease is dementia, but not all dementia is Alzheimer's. There are other causes like vascular problems, Um, uh, uh, is the most common one. Parkinson's disease is associated with some dementia. Alzheimer's really can't be diagnosed definitively while a person's still alive. But we generally say if you don't have any other cause for dementia, no no, uh, brain problems with your with your blood, um, with your blood signal, like then we just call it Alzheimer. It, it's it's called um, it's a very long, slow, progressive process. It usually hits people in their later years, you know, closer to 70, 80 years old. Although it can happen to younger people as young as in their 50s, and um, it is where your your cognitive functions decline. Usually starts with uh, mild memory loss. It can lead to much more severe memory memory loss, even to the point of not not knowing who that your loved ones are or even your own name. You can um, have difficulty with the higher level functioning of like things like um, balancing your checkbook, paying your bills, your your functions of daily living go. The problem with um, Alzheimer's disease is that it's very progressive and slow. It doesn't happen just overnight. It, if something happened overnight in one or two days, then something else occurred. This is a thing that happens over months or, or more likely over many, many years. Um, there is an extremely good support group for Alzheimer's at the Alzheimer's Foundation. So I'd encourage you to Google that for more. 
All right, I'm going to get this quick text in, and then we're going back to the phone lines. I've heard if a teen girl gets the shot, she will not be able to have children. Yeah, I would, I would uh, dismiss that. That's not accurate. Well, that's um, that's a yeah, relief. Yeah, that's a relief. Yeah, exactly. There is no um, uh, uh, right now. A teen girl can't get the shot only because it's not it's not approved yet for people under sixteen uh, or eighteen for the Moderna one. So, but that's going to change shortly. So uh, um, teenagers can get it, including uh, young women. Sue is on the line from Egan. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. I wanted to say, I'm not calling with a question. I'm calling to give a big hoorah for all those people that put in so much work when you t- get your shot. I walked in two days ago for the second one, and they said, you're waiting for you. There were volunteers standing everywhere and they issued you in and out, and I was out in five minutes. I've had no reactions from the first. I've had no reactions from the second. And, in fact, I had one minute of having the virus early. I had a one-day fever of 100.8, and that's it with me with the virus, and I'm thrilled. Sue, I love this story. Do you know I love it? A because I love your enthusiasm, and that is absolutely right. You have a you, you know, being thrilled is the right response, and I just I just love hearing you. But the other thing, you know, what I love about what you said, you pointed out the just the huge amount of people that that are going um, that are working, volunteering to get these vaccines to people. It is truly one of the best examples of humanity coming together. Skilled nurses and volunteers and scientists and just regular people who are helping to direct traffic and greet people at the door. It is really, truly a group effort. I love that phone call, and I really appreciate you calling us, Sue. Yeah, that is really wonderful. Sam is on the line from Golden Valley. Hello, Sam. Good morning. I have a question. I had my third shot three weeks ago, was fine, and about five days ago, I had the chills, I was very tired, I had a headache. Can I get a reaction that late? That's a little unusual. I don't, do you, mean, you might mean the second shot. I don't, you don't really the need three. The second shot, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is possible um, that you got a delayed reaction. Uh, most people are getting it 24 to 48 hours um, after they get the shot, and then the symptoms, if you're going to get any, last a one to three days. So what you had would be a longer um, uh, uh, time frame. It's not impossible, though. It is possible. It is also possible you had something else. Uh, as long as it went away and it wasn't serious symptoms, I wouldn't worry about it. But uh, um, that would be slight, slightly unusual, Sam. All right. This person asks, can you talk about white matter disease? Uh, maybe. Um, I'm I'm not exactly sure what that's referring to. You know, white matter is part of your brain, and there um, you have a gray and a white matter, um, which was, you know, very descriptive terms that some pathologists probably thought about 100 years ago as they were looking at the brain. Some of it looks whiter and some of it looks gray. I'm not exactly sure what um, thing they're worried about the most. There are all kinds of neurological and brain diseases. Unless I'm completely missing something, I might not be able to get into much more detail than that. Um, um, if you've been told you have that, it had to be something that on an MRI or something 
all I could su- suggest is that you get your questions answered from your neurologist because your your neurologist that's with an N are your experts on that. And if I'm totally missing your question, I'm sorry, but that's about all I got for you. On that. Yeah, they can text us more. Okay, let's get yeah. in this quick text before we have to go to break. I've had psoriasis on the scalp for years, being treated with light therapy. Is a shingle vaccine required? I heard yes and no. Low immune system. Thank you. I love your show. Oh, thanks for uh, the nice comment. I would get your vaccine anyways for the shingles. Um, do talk to your rheumatologist or your dermatologist first because you might be on some medications and you might be on immunosuppressives. You probably are in immunosuppressives with your psoriasis. So just talk to them to, so that you get the scoop directly from your doctor. But my initial response is you should be okay. All right, this is our open line show. We have one more segment to go before we have to say goodbye this morning. So call us, text us, 651-989-9226. Dr. Hilden will answer your questions when we return. Another reminder, you're going to be upset. Time springs an hour forward and you can't forget. So go to bed, no SNL and no hot date. You'll be late for church and your kids' buttons won't be straight. It's totally predictable, <laughs> but you never get it right. Oh my God, Devin, that's it's probably now the cherry on top of your ability to find just the right music for uh, just the right day this Sunday, oh. Daylight Saving Time. And, um, wow, I don't know what to say to that, Doctor. That was incredible. You've outdone yourself now, Devin. I love that. We are Healthy Matters, Dr. David Hilden of Hennepin <laughs> Healthcare and Rashini Rajkabar. And we are winding it down, but not before we take your calls and texts, 651-989-9226. All right, let's get through a lot of these texts here. There are so many. In a congregation of about 15 to 20 people, is it safe with masks to sing? I think it's probably okay. You know, spread out as much as you can. Maybe every other pew. Maybe sit far apart from each other. Keep your masks on, and I think you can probably sing. Uh, I, if you take your masks off, that's quite dicey, though. I do have to say that. Okay. What causes bulging veins in lower legs, and what can be done for it? Right. Your veins are kind of um, they're blood. They're sort of like a lazy river of a blood vessel. If your arteries are the hot, the pumping hard where the blood is going really fast, your, your veins are just kind of slowly pushing blood back from your legs to your heart. They have little valves in them, little flaps that help push the blood up. And your movement of your muscles helps push the blood up. But those valves don't work so well, and your muscles don't work quite as well as you get older. So the blood pools, and it pools where gravity takes it, which is down to your legs, and so they bulge. They can be unsightly. That's very common. But they can also be painful, a little less common, but they can be painful as well. Fortunately, there are treatments now that are pretty darn good for varicose veins or other venous problems. It used to be they had to like do a surgery and a vein stripping procedure, which was bar, you know, it was like medieval. It was, it was, it hurt. Um, they still do that, but they only do that in some cases. Now there are there's sclerotherapy and laser therapy and all kinds of less invasive and effective ways to treat varicose veins. So call your um, your doctor your, and see if they have some solutions for you. We do at Hennepin Healthcare, we do vein um, treatments, and they're very effective. Linda is on the line from Eden Prairie. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. Oh, I love your show. You're so knowledgeable of so many different things. Um, my first well, question thank you is, for that. You're welcome. Um, my first question is, um, I got my shot. Um, I have my second shot tomorrow, but my 
other arm, or my arm that I got the vaccine in, is still hurts. Should I get my vaccine on the other arm? Um, I think I might. Um, uh, your arm uh, clearly is having that local in, um, immune response probably that's lasting a little bit longer than other people. I think I might do the other arm. Now, granted, you're going to have two sore arms now, but it will pass. That will pass. What I might do when you get the shot is shake out your arm a lot. Keep moving that arm. You know, maybe do very gentle arm raise exercises for the hours after the vaccine to just keep the muscles moving, keep the inflammation down, and keep that arm um, uh, really moving and lubricated well. It might ease up some of those arm symptoms. But I think, Linda, you are, you are um, feeling some of those symptoms that the shot does give. You could do the same arm again. That's entirely your choice, but I might recommend you do as you're suggesting and do the other arm. All right. This person is asking about allergies. They have extreme allergies to nitrates. Got one shot so far. Did not have any reaction at the site. On to the next shot. Might I get a reaction then? And they carry an EpiPen. You could, but um, probably not. Um, uh, Most of the allergic reactions we're seeing aren't really allergic reactions at all but they are um, immune responses, which is to be expected in many, many people. That being said, some people do get an allergic reaction to anything we do to your body, including this shot. So um, it's, it's reassuring that you didn't get one after the first one, but, um, and so it's unlikely you will for the second, but it's not impossible. It is at least possible. So carry your EpiPen. You might want to get your vaccine at a place, um, a more medical place, as opposed to like a drive through place or a pharmacy. You might want to go to a clinic to get yours where they have uh, a little bit more expertise, but I think you're, I think you're good to go. All right, some more COVID questions for you. Here's a really interesting one, Dr. Hilden. Does the vaccine have eggs or shellfish in the ingredients? I have family that say they can't get the shot because of that. Nope, it does not. I know it doesn't have eggs, and I don't, I don't think it has shellfish either. Uh, um, you might want to Google that one, but I don't think so. I know it doesn't have eggs. The flu shot is literally grown in eggs, chicken eggs. And so that one does um, uh, have some egg product in it. But even the flu shot we're now giving to people with egg allergies. So um, I wouldn't worry about your allergies at all um, with this shot. It's manufactured differently. This person says, I have concerns about the COVID vaccine affecting RNA with mixed connective tissue disease. Will it trigger more symptoms? I don't think so. It will trigger immune responses like it's supposed to. It's intended to trigger an immune response in you. That's the whole point. But it is the messenger RNA vaccines, the mRNA vaccines, which is the Pfizer and and the um, Moderna one, they do not alter your, your DNA. They do not do anything like that. They are simply a small chunk of messenger RNA from the coronavirus which only lives in your body a very short period of time. It is like the recipe that your body responds to and then the recipe is burned. It doesn't alter your DNA. It doesn't mess with your DNA at all. Um, so that, that you're good to go and you can go ahead and get your vaccine. The, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine uses a different technique. It uses a benign um, little wussy uh, adenovirus, which is a, a variant of a cold virus to deliver the coronavirus recipe. So all of the vaccines should be safe in your case who have a mixed connective tissue disease. All right, before we go, I want to get to a couple quick texts. Two weeks after my second shot, can I pass the virus to my grandchild with special needs? Is there a quarantine time before we can see our grandchild? 
if you have received both doses and you are two weeks after the second dose, you're okay to see your grandchildren. Um, I wouldn't see 10 of them at once because you just can't control transmission like that. But I think it's okay to go see your, you know, in small groups, you can go see your grandchildren, even though they haven't been vaccinated. If you have, um, I think it's okay now. That's one of the payoffs of getting this vaccine is that you can start visiting your grandkids again. All right, really quickly, Doc, Callie is thanking us for all we do to help keep people informed. And she says this, my husband is a kidney recipient. We are quite nervous, scared for him to get the COVID injection. This is his second transplant, 2000 and 2017. Is there a preferred company injection for him? I don't think so. And we are just now this week welcoming kidney recipients, transplant recipients to get your vaccine. You need it as much as anybody I can think of. So I would have him get that vaccine. Um, I am not aware that any of them are better than others because none of them um, are, are going to affect your kidney transplant or your the medications you take. So get whatever one you can. But before you do that, do ask your specialist to make sure. All right, time always flies on these open line shows. Next week, we're talking poisons, toxins, venoms, poison with one of the experts from Hennepin Healthcare and Dr. Hilden. So come back 7 to 8 a.m. You'll get through this week sluggishness of daylight saving time. Uh, Dr. Hilden, it's been a great show. Lots of great uh, questions. Really quickly, how can people find you during the week? All right. It's at Twitter, drdavidhilden or myhealthymatters.org. We'll see you next week. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.